Welcome to In The Trenches, where entrepreneurs, artists, writers, designers, inventors, warriors, and leaders share their stories of doing the hard, creative work that impacts all of our lives. Let the journey inspire you to do something worthwhile, build something bold, and create your life's work. And now, your host, Tom Morgus. Welcome back, everyone, to another broadcast of In the Trenches. I'm excited to have on our show today Jeffrey Shaw, who is a business coach, speaker, and the creator of the Creative Warriors podcast. And today we're going to riff on this idea of what I'm going to say is maybe a bit of self-validation, a self-reflection, but also not necessarily from an internal point of view. And this idea that Jeffrey and I were talking about before we hit record, this idea of finding a place where you belong, and those are his words, and this idea of the validation paradox, that when we do introspection, that maybe that's not enough, that maybe there's something more. And so this idea is going to hopefully be something where we go a little deep on this idea, both internally and then how that kind of manifests externally. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. Hey, Tom, glad to be here with you. Yeah, so talk me through this idea of this concept when we were talking offline about finding a place where you belong. What does that mean? Why does this matter to the entrepreneur who's listening? Well, you know, the cool thing is like a lot of the work that we do, it, you know, you start seeing the, all the things in your life and in your work kind of kind of start to collapse together. So that's kind of been my experience lately because I launched a Facebook group, gosh, about two, three years ago. And when I launched it, uh, intended, it was an extension of my podcast, Creative Warriors. So I wanted to have a Facebook group where we could follow up on conversations that we had on the podcast. So I launched this Facebook group. And uh, when I launched it, I, I, it was done under the premise of a place where you belong. Because innately, my experience as a creative person, which is very similar to a lot of creative people, was yeah, I, I just never really felt like I knew where I belonged. You know, as a kid, I was absolutely kind of a fish out of the water in the town that I grew up in. I was the black sheep in the family, you know, like a, things a lot of creatives express. So, you know, I just kind of put that out there that, you know, hey, this will be a place where creative thinking people belong, where we can open up and share. And that was kind of the idea of, of launching that. And then recently, I, I actually had a therapist, and I have to say, man, I had to give credit to my therapist here. <laughs> my therapist said something to me one day that really set me back, which was he said, you know, you're an interesting character, Jeff. You're actually more authentically who you are in work than you are in your personal life. And I agreed with that because I really felt like I found myself through my work as a photographer initially, uh, which I've been doing now for 33 years. But I, you know, I was 20 years old when I started out as a photographer having come from very lower middle class upbringing and wound up working with the richest people in America. And it couldn't have been more comfortable for me. I felt like a black sheep in the family. I felt like a fish out of water in the town I grew up in, but I had never felt more comfortable and in the right place, a place where I belonged amongst these really rich people. And it almost didn't make sense, but it was incredibly comfortable. But what I found is that there was this feeling from the community of people that I was serving. It was as if they saw more in me than I saw in myself. And I just kept raising up to a higher level and becoming more of myself and becoming a better photographer and more and more successful. The result was it led to a very successful life. And that, that set my mind in motion, always having observed this, that when my therapist said, you know, you're more authentically who you are professionally than personally, it got me thinking about the journey of finding ourselves and how there's a paradox to it. So I've wound up calling it the validation paradox because 
like a lot of us, I have been trying to find myself on my own. But if I honestly, if I stuck to trying to find what my purpose in life was and who I was and why I do what I do, if I stuck to the mindset from which I came from in my small town in upstate New York and the family I grew up in, I wouldn't have amounted to much, right? Because we can only see in ourselves what our current belief of ourselves is limited by. What it took was finding myself amongst a community of people who saw more in me than I could see in myself until I just kept rising up and becoming more, more of myself. Yeah. So tell me this, because I find that the immediate, I see the value in it. Like as we were talking online, I like, it, it makes sense. You know, we're social creatures. It makes sense that a lot of how we derive meaning and purpose is through in and around other people. But my question is this, and this I think is maybe the, the challenge for a lot of people who might be listening and think, well, yeah, I understand the community element. And, and then we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of this. But I think the immediate pushback would be, well, what about the trolls, the naysayers, the people that would put you down? So I guess the question being that there's a lot of input from a lot of different outlets and a lot of different people and a lot of different whatever, right? But you need to be able to find and maybe surround yourself with people that could support you the right way. My question is, on the flip side, can your purpose be invalidated by surrounding yourself with the wrong group of people? Yeah, absolutely. And, and often that might be where we're starting. Yeah. Right. I mean, I, that's the feedback I get all the times I get. It's, it's family and, and maybe even, as a friend of mine said to me the other day, who's going through uh, a growth program, he had said that his friends are having a hard time with his changes. Like, mm. they, they, you know, accusing him of joining a cult or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you're going to get, you know, as you change, you get pushback from the people around you. So again, it's often the naysayers and what holds us back is often where we're coming from more than where we're going to. And, and here's, Tom, here's a cool thing. I mean, as having coached people now for, I guess, eight years, I think most people have this inkling inside of themselves that is a really quiet voice that they want to listen to. And the difference in their lives is whether they listen to it or not. I know this sounds kind of ethereal, but I'll tell you, like when people reach out to me for coaching, I could almost guarantee their state of mind. They are almost always in a state of mind that they, they know there's more in them. They just don't know what it is yet. You know, because I'm a business coach that usually is being presented to me as a problem in their business. And yet, because I work with entrepreneurs, there is no line between the person and the entrepreneur venture, right? We are one and the same. I think entrepreneurship is a path of personal development. It, it, nothing accelerates personal development more than entrepreneurship. So when people come to me and say, you know, I don't, I don't know what it is yet, but I feel like I'm capable of more. I think my business is capable of more. They may identify, they think their business is capable of more, but I know they're actually saying it of themselves. So I think there's this is whisper in a lot of people of who they really are, what they're really capable of. The difference between those that accelerate and those that don't are the ones that are willing to take the gamble on the voice saying, I don't know what it is, but there's more in me. And those are the ones that step out of the shell or the environment, despite the naysaying that they're coming from with what I refer to as the sense of a possible self. Like you may not know exactly what you're capable of, but you're willing to gambling the idea there's more in you and you find whether it's a, a market area for your business or it is a peer group for you know, who you are, you're willing to take the, the risk and, and put yourself in the company of other people who start reflecting back to you remarkable things about yourself that you may not have seen in yourself yet. And then that's when you begin to expand. Okay. So how do we find these people? And that I think is probably going to be the ultimate challenge, right? Or at least one of them. 
Yeah. And I don't know there's a direct path yet. Boy, I would love to give you one. You know, for me, you know, my story is, I mean, I, I truly grew up lower middle class. And maybe this is a root of it, is looking at what you value. And my biggest challenge when I started out as a photographer at 20 years old, I went back to my hometown and being a portrait photographer, which I thought was about the most important thing I could do. You know, I think it's just, it was so important to hand down family portraits. And I've always had very long-term thinking. You know, I had life insurance when I was 20 years old, right? I always thought very far ahead. And to me, photography played a big part of that because photography was about planning ahead. It was about having portraits that your kids would hand down. The struggle was no one in my hometown would pay my prices, which were high for the area, but were a fraction of what I ultimately wound up charging people when, it, when I moved my business, which was interesting. But for the area, it seemed like a lot of money. And what I learned after two years of struggling is that I could not see a, a community who couldn't see past paying their rent or mortgage that month. I couldn't get them to see long-term. It just wasn't in the mindset. And then I started looking at my own family. You know, my, my father died right after I went into business at 20 years old. I was 20, he was 52 and he passed away suddenly. No life insurance, no will, nothing that I had already had it as a 20 year old. Like I was already planning for the future and here my 52 year old father was dying and had no plans for the future. And I realized that in a culture of people who are barely getting by, they don't think long-term. So for me, that became a very logical question for me. Like, well, then who does? Who can think long-term? And I was really, well, people with money. People with money are able to think long-term. They're saving and planning on their kid's education from the day that child is born, if not before. They always have the right insurances to plan for their future, for security of, of what they've built financially. They love portrait photography because it's all about recording the family and handing it down. So to me, I found where I belonged, and maybe this is the path for uh, others as well, is to identify what you value the most and who also values that. To me, that led me to the community of where I felt like I belonged. Yeah, and I get that. I mean, it, it makes sense from a even a biological perspective in some ways that we'd be attracted to whatever those things that by nature we're attracted to that maybe we should consider you know, gravitating toward them because there's some sort of inkling. Maybe there's always like uh, caveats to that point, but if there's this deeper desire of like to do something, then yeah, maybe it makes sense to move toward that type of group because that's the only place where you would have some sort of in crowd. Otherwise, it's like you're, I don't know, fighting this monster, whatever it is in your life, whatever you're trying to accomplish by yourself, which isn't healthy or useful and probably not going to be successful doing it. So I think it makes sense to gravitate toward people that are doing the things that you want to be doing. Would you say that's about right? Yeah. I mean, I was so struck recently, this idea already kind of implanted on my head and, and uh, this idea, the validation paradox that I'm developing into a TED talk. I was so struck recently watching the Tony Awards and probably no one else but me noticed because it was so on my mind. Performer after performer stood up on the stage and thanked not only their agents and the logical people, but time and time again, they thanked their peers. They thanked the community of fellow performers. They mentioned how, you know, they grew up in a small town in the Midwest where, you know, they felt like the outcast. They were, you know, trying to do school plays. You can imagine that kid in a small town in the Midwest and school plays feeling different than everybody around them and not having an avenue to express themselves. And you can imagine the magic that happens when that person is brave enough to leave that environment from which they started, venture out maybe to New York 
take the stage a step on Broadway, go through all the talk about in the trenches, right? I mean, go through trench after trench after trench of auditions and rejections and stick with it. Ultimately, to realize that, you know, when you in the pattern of the path of doing that, that you're surrounding yourself with people who are also trying to find their way and then collectively everybody rises. You know, it, was, it struck me so clearly watching the Tonys, how performer after performer gave credit to their peers that they never would have gotten to where they were had it not been that they were surrounded by people that raised them up. Yeah. And I, it's a tough point to argue, right? Because it makes sense. And I guess that's the thing. So I, I don't think there's anybody that would necessarily challenge that notion. I guess my question is this, like, let's go higher resolution here and say, okay, then we want to surround ourselves with people who are going to lift us up. How do we identify those people? Like, how do we know that's the right group? Because then there's, there's also, and I can't maybe think of them, I have to think about this because it's on the spot, but I'm sure I could probably come up with examples of people who gravitated towards the wrong crowd, maybe became part of the in crowd, but it was the wrong crowd and didn't end up achieving what they wanted to achieve, maybe going down this, this really bad rabbit hole or worse. So the idea being an important element of this that I don't know if you said, but definitely that maybe I'm, I'm inferring is that choosing the right group is so important. And that means conversely, choosing the wrong group is something to be avoided. So how do we know where we go and who we align with? Yeah. And let's face it, as teenagers, a lot of us chose the wrong groups. But again, you know, I'm a parent of, of three uh, 20-somethings, you know, and of course I was a teenager myself. And often the kids that followed into the wrong groups, when you really got to know them, there was, there was so much substance to them. You know, the, you, there, I can think of so many kids that I've, or, you know, even when I was a kid myself, I can think of so many people I met that your opinion of them was, you know, they were, they were, they were in the bad crowd, but you realize they were in the bad crowd because they were all kind of lost in trying to find the right crowd, that there actually was a lot more to them. So I, you know, I mentioned, I referred recently or earlier to that, the idea of a whisper. That's the brave move is, are you willing to listen to what is guiding you? You know, and I'm not a, I'm a spiritual person, but I don't follow any particular religion. I just want to, you know, say that. So when I speak of, you know, what's guiding you, I mean, everybody's going to have their own opinion on what that means. You know, for a long time, I've been saying as a business coach that when I, when I really look at the difference between where people are and where they end up, what closes that gap is their willingness to own who they are. That sounds so simple in a way, and it sounds kind of ethereal, but it's practical as well. But I will tell you as a business coach, the the difference between where people start and where they end up is how much they're willing to own who they are. And you know what? If you're quirky, if you're unusual, whatever it is, it's your ability to own that and, and be more of yourself that becomes magnetic and in a practical sense, brandable, right? I mean, today's world, everything's so noisy that our strategy is to stand out, right? So how do you stand out? And it's not always about being different. And I think this plays into finding your own crowd. And I think that's where maybe teenagers and some people get lost is that when they're trying to find that where they belong, they're looking for different. What I look for with my, my coaching clients is what's your different perspective? You know, I'm not saying you have to be different with body piercings and purple hair, but what is your different perspective? Like, how do you look at life differently than anybody else? How do you look at, you know, I work with a lot of photographers. So you might be one of 20 photographers in your town. Everyone can succeed if you can tap into like, what is your unique perspective? Like what makes you a photographer and how is that different than anybody else? 
So I think if you understand your perspective, you can also then start to identify people that share a similar perspective. Yeah, I like this idea of, I think you said the word own, like mm-hmm. if you own who you are. Yeah. So what does ownership mean? You know, it's, it's, to me, it's about stopping apologizing. You know, I mean, we so often apologize for who we are. And that's what makes people interesting, but it's really hard to see that from the inside. It is, and I get it. I've had my share of, of growth challenges. I mean, I, I was, I suffered from terrible shyness until my mid twenties, ironically, because I, I chose photography as a path in life because especially in the day of dark rooms, photography was a very isolating field. There would be a camera between me and the world that I was photographing, or I'd be in the dark room. What I didn't expect, and I hear this from a lot of authors that I interview on Creative Warriors, you know, a lot of times we, we introverts and shy people, we choose professions that keep us reclusive, but then we become successful at it. Like we don't expect that. <laughs> I didn't see that coming. And that's what happened to me. It's like, I went over to way to photography school and then I started getting handed all these accolades and awards and scholarships. The next thing I knew I was spending a fair amount of time on stages, thanking people. And then ultimately, you know, giving graduation speeches and things like that. I didn't expect that because I chose it as a profession to be reclusive. I've watched a lot of interviews with people like Oprah and, you know, these outstanding individuals and a common denominator in a lot of people that have achieved great things is they will, and this is challenging, this is really challenging for a lot of people to, to admit to or to get to, but if you listen to a lot of really high achievers, they will say that even from a young age, they knew there was something special about themselves. And boy, you know, a lot of us have a really hard time saying that because we're raised in a culture of humility and being humble. And that's why we keep it to ourselves. Like we keep it to ourselves that despite the circumstances, despite the fact, you know, Oprah, look where she started, right? Despite her initial circumstances, deep down, she knew there was something special about her. She became that person because she was willing to admit it to herself and then set on a path to find that and to make that happen. And I honestly believe that is true of everyone. I don't know that anyone is actually special but that every one of us has something special to offer. So it's the willingness to, to listen to that and then try to find the community where it might be like-minded peers. It might be, uh, like I said, for an entrepreneurial venture, it may be a market. You know, I mean, for me, it was a market. Like I chose a market that was more aligned with my values so that I could become an exceptional photographer with an exceptional success. You know, for others, for performers that I mentioned on the Tonys, it was, you know, leaving maybe where they came from to venture out into a bigger world of performers. You know, it's, there's so many, there's so many truths here. And there's the whole idea that the sum is greater than the parts, right? We're just one part. So what happens when we join the community? In Africa, there's a term called Ubuntu, which loosely translates to I am I because of we. And it speaks so perfectly to this idea of the validation paradox that while we're trying to find ourselves on our own, we're trying to find our uniqueness, our why, our purpose in life, that we can really only achieve that in the interaction with others who may see more in us than we can see in ourselves. Yeah. And again, I think it comes back to just, you know, the importance of, of making sure it's aligned with the right people. Because I, I think this, this other thing I find that is typical in any kind of creative pursuit, and I would probably lump entrepreneurship, writing, art, anything where you're not being told exactly what to do and how to do it, right? So any kind of creative pursuit, I find that the problem is that a lot of people aren't doing those things. And so then by its nature, you are kind of outcast because it's not the usual thing. The majority of people do not do it. By its nature, they don't. 
So you have this vast majority who are not doing that thing. And so, yes, going to find that in-group is really important. I love that you just said that because I actually just the other day, um, I don't know if I wrote it as a post on Facebook or I, you know, I, don't, I put out so much stuff. I don't remember where it came from or how I put it out, but it was along that nature. I had made the comment that actually, I'm sorry, it was actually one of my podcasts. I did a, a talking stick episode on it that uh, the challenge between creativity and communication, because the, the fact matters, if you're truly doing something creative, if you're really being innovative, people don't know to ask for what you're offering. That becomes one of our greatest marketing challenges, right? And it actually flies in the face of SEO and search engines because if you're truly doing something creative, how could someone know what to type into a search engine? So that's a dilemma that from a business perspective, you almost need to solve. I mean, here we can encourage people to be creative and, and innovative, but it introduces a new challenge, which is then how do people find you if what you're doing? But yet I put the creativity as a precedence. So where when I speak of the idea of finding a place where you belong, it doesn't necessarily mean, and this is true of my Facebook group, um, I have coaching groups too, that some of my coaching groups are intentionally a group of people from various industries so that there's room for everybody to learn and cross-innovate without it having to be sameness. So finding a place where you belong does not have to be sameness. It can be. But it doesn't have to be. And likely in today's world, it isn't. But you are in a place where you belong if you're amongst people who think differently. That, I would say that's very true of my Facebook group. I mean, there's people from, you know, there's some 2,000 members in the group currently. And, you know, the, the range of professions and careers are, are really diverse. But my hope is that everybody feels like they belong there because you can say, do anything, you can act anything, and you're going to get other members chiming in and supporting you just because they get what it feels like to be a creative warrior. That's the point. That's why my show is called Creative Warriors. The, the whole point is we may all be doing different things, but the common denominator is that we are warriors in business. We are putting ourselves on the line. We're marketing ourselves or our talent. And that takes a certain sense of a warrior spirit. So what we're doing, what we're selling, what we're offering may not have anything to do in common, but what is in common is that we are the types of individuals that are willing to put ourselves out there at risk, at judgment, in order to try to better the world, make a living, build a business, et cetera. That's the common denominator. And, th and that makes sense to me. I mean, that's the thing. So it's like diversity in a specific like niche or, or in a specific uh, context, I think is, is really important. Because it wouldn't be helpful if you had people coming in there who weren't on that same kind of journey. And if they were like, here's how to like kind of work your way up uh, a middle management role, that's not going to provide most of those kind of creative warriors you to find them any useful information. But those who are creating and leading and, and that's the kind of diversity, I think that makes a lot of sense in that capacity. Yeah. And it's still a place, I mean, to me, the the world of people that are creative warriors, that is a place where they belong. And I, I want to, that's my endeavor. My, my big mission is to support those, you know, those creative warriors, uh, which is why you know, on our podcast, like yours, I mean, we have a really tight criteria as to who comes on the show as a guest because it has to stay aligned. You know, we don't have, uh, it's funny you mentioned leadership because I, we have a lot of people approach us that want to talk about leadership and we've had a few guests um, and I will do it where it's appropriate, but I always say, first of all, we don't, we don't have corporate talk on creative warriors. That's not what we're about. The word leadership instantly becomes a challenge because most, a lot of entrepreneurs don't consider themselves leaders. So I have a team of incredible people that, that vet the guests. 
you know, you should do the work for me. Sometimes I'll step in at some point because we're not sure if this person's a fit. But the goal is, is that we want to continue to have conversations on our show that only support that community so that the creative warriors that listen always feel like, hey, this is a place I belong. This is a podcast I belong listening to because this guy gets me. I have done shows on nutrition and well-being, and I've done shows on very tactical business strategies. And the reason I do the whole range is because I'm still speaking specifically to the creative warriors of the world. And what I know is that, hey, if you're marketing yourself or you are your brand, you also need to take care of yourself. They get that. Tom, here's a, a quote I, I recite over and over and over again, probably to ad nauseum for a lot of people, but I, I foundation, I think it's really important for people to get this, which is... Nowadays, people don't hire you because you're the best. People hire you because you get them and they get you. Mm. I think that's so important for people to understand, because especially because I work and support with so many creatives who are in a constant endeavor in their lives to be the best they can. Nobody's terrible. Very few people are terrible or they wouldn't even be you know, out in the world putting out you know, marketing what they're, what they're offering. But best is completely subjective. I love the fact that nowadays I think there's a much more there's much more of an energetic interaction between we humans and you know whether it's businesses to consumers or people to people it's a much more energetic quality where we make decisions on a daily basis you know even think of yourself I know who I am as a consumer I make decisions on a daily basis what businesses I'm willing to do business with and those that I'm not maybe because we don't share political views right I mean there are businesses that I have dropped uh, doing business with, Uber being one of them, because I don't like the political views, right? And I don't want my money to go to places that I don't think are in support of my values. Clearly, there are millions of people that feel that way too, because if a business portrays themselves in a way that millions of people don't agree with, millions of people stop using that business instantly. We see this more and more often today, which is why transparency and integrity is so important in business. So that being said, what people want more than anything, I believe, the sense that they're, they're seen and heard, like somebody gets them. You know, that's what we want in our personal lives. We want to partner with somebody who we feel like that person gets us. We also want to do business with people that we feel like, wow, that business gets me. They get my mindset. And again, even as a, from a business to consumer, it's like customers want to feel like this is where I belong. I belong doing business with this business because they get me. Yeah, that's definitely one, I guess, approach to it. And I guess the other thing too, though, is depending on how people want to carve that out and, and unpack that, I think it's also important to, to not forget that business is also just commerce and trade. And that I think that's the great connector. So that, you know, even, even though we have like this, I think, political polarization, probably more than ever because of, you know, all, all sorts of different factors. But I, I think to myself, like, that's the one thing I think that is beautiful about just commerce and business, because you can kind of totally ignore that if you want. And I think that it's, it begs the question why companies would ever politically align one way or another. Because I find that the most offensive thing, personally. I think on a one-to-one a -one case, like a, you know, coaching, client consulting, that kind of stuff, maybe there's, there should be more personality included. But I find it just horrible business for these bigger companies to say, here's my morality, when in reality they should be saying, here's how I can improve your life and you live your life however you want. Not that we need, I don't know, you know, going down that direction, we can, you can riff on that if you'd like, but I just think that's an important thing too, is I definitely see where you're coming from, but I also think that it's important for others to, to say like, Hey, it's okay for you to do business with whoever you, you choose. And you can choose to not do business with certain people if you don't like how they're aligned, but do understand that I think commerce is a beautiful thing because that's the thing that creates alliances and creates 
peace is is trade and is commerce. I think it's a beautiful thing. And so to not get brought into this polarization of politics when, hey, maybe this business just creates a really great product. And and insofar as like they're not projecting, you know, what my morality should be, I'm I'm very comfortable doing business with just about anybody. Yeah, I, I agree with you in on some level and not on others. I mean, I, I agree with you. I like I'm a big obviously a big fan of commerce. Um and I think sometimes business should just be that cut and dry, especially, you know, when you're buying commodities. First of all, I think as we're seeing, it is just in this world of social media and transparency and it is hard for the points of view of almost any CEO not to be known. You know, we've seen some pretty big companies be greatly affected by f- stupid things that come out of a CEO's mouth, you know, but understand that you're under a microscope all the time. It's pretty hard in today's world. Same thing in politics. It's really, it's, it's shocking. Sometimes you think, how does someone not know that that's going to be picked up? I mean, it's, the stupidity and the things that some people say, it's like, how do you think that that's not going to be picked up in today's world of social media and fast communications? So you know, it's, it's hard to think otherwise. The other side is I do like transparency. I'll give you a real quick example. You know, as far as commerce, a while back when my kids were young, I started investing in their education. I was using, you know, investing in mutual funds and uh, trusting my money to a stockbroker to invest in these mutual funds. And, you know, and I'm not a guy that reads every report that comes in and I don't pay a whole lot of attention to it, but at some point, and I don't remember what the circumstances were, but I wound up taking note of the various stocks that made up this mutual fund. And I have to say, I was appalled at the companies that I was investing in and investing in my children's education, you know, tobacco companies, gun companies, like, you know, I looked at this thing, there's something that feels really wrong here that I'm investing in my children's education that are against morals and values by which I'm raising them. Right. I'm raising them to hopefully not be smokers, to be peace oriented, to be nonviolent. And yet my money is going towards things that are in support of these. And I called it out to my stockbroker. I said, I can't do this. This is a conflict here. Only to find out that there are mutual funds for education that are actually child friendly, you know, that are actually intended to know that you're putting your money towards values that are aligned with the protection and rights of children. And still high functioning, high, you know, high values. So that's a case to me where, you know, I agree with you. Commerce could be commerce, but I also, I like a high degree of transparency. I do want to know what a company's values are because I don't want to feel like I'm trading blood money. I don't want to feel like I am putting money into a company that is hurting you know, or, or taking a political stance. Like I, I just want to know, I don't want to take a stance politically or put my money towards something that's against some, that's going to inadvertently hurt people that are important to me. Well, yeah, right. Of course. Like I'm with you and I get that. I know that's, um, there's definitely a lot of people that I think you see that today, people kind of getting on that, I won't say well, bandwagon maybe, but having an opinion about those businesses that they do business with and saying, well, I'm going to support this one and not this one because of whatever it might be. And yeah, it's at the end of the day, like I would never want anybody to do something where they feel like their investment is like m- not morally aligned with whatever their ethic is or whatever they choose their their ethic to be. So yep, definitely get that. And I guess we could go down this rabbit hole for quite a while talking on this idea of ethics and morality, but I know we're coming up to the top of the hour. So what I'd love for, for you to do is be able to share with people where they can reach out and find you. If they're interested in this conversation, you know, again, I know you got a TED talk coming out, you got a new book coming out. Where can people find you and read more of your work and maybe get in touch with you? 
Well, they can certainly find me on my website, which is jeffreyshaw.com. Uh, of course, this Creative Warriors podcast we've mentioned a couple times. I have a new uh, tool that I, I'm really excited about because the I think one of the core challenges for a lot of people in business today is that we are doing something different. We are standing out. And yet the world has been, the world of business has been built on very traditional business mindsets. It goes right back to you know the 1920s book, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I mean, that was all about mindset. So I've created a new tool called the 12 must-have mindsets for uncommon entrepreneurs. The thing that I've always been told that the people get the most out of me is that I tend to turn things upside down and, and, and give them a different perspective that has ultimately really helped them a lot. And that's what this collection tool is. It's 12 mindsets that I think will turn people's thinking upside down to think, wow, I never look, I never thought to look at it that way. Uh, and it's things about marketing and service and entrepreneurship and success. So your folks can get that at musthavemindsets.com. It's really cool. It's a great little tool just to, to get your head thinking in a different way. Most people read it and it's like, that's exactly what I think. I just wasn't allowing myself to think that way because it's different than what other people are thinking or other businesses are saying you should do. And that's the problem. I mean, if you're doing anything different in the world, you can't follow the advice of typical business because they, they, it's a different path. I agree completely. Well, Jeffrey, thank you so much for being on In the Trenches. It was an absolute pleasure having you. Likewise, Tom. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for listening to In the Trenches. Your creative work doesn't stop here. Join the resistance, the small but growing army of entrepreneurs and artists putting a dent in the world at www.tommorkis.com. Never fight alone. Join the resistance. <laughs>